Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back, Health Matters listeners. Thank you for joining us today. What a day it will be for us here at Health Matters. We've got two really splendid guests. Uh, one is uh, Jamie uh, Lincoln. What's his name? Jamie uh, Lincoln Kitman. She's a New York bureau chief for Automobile Magazine who put out a, an extraordinary article on called Worse Than Lead in the September 10th to 17th edition of The Nation magazine. And it's a, it's a blistering uh, uh, re uh, revelation about the situation of the flame retardants. And why this is kind of important, not only for its you know, deeply ecological purposes, is that just the last day of this September this year, Governor Brown signed AB 2998 into law, which, which is a, a statewide, statewide ban on specific household products that contain toxic flame retardants. And the toxic flame retardant world is, is, a, is an ugly nightmare that uh, Jamie will be able to tell us about in some considerable detail. I really urge you, any listeners who's at all interested in this topic, particularly children, particularly uh, parents with children, and particularly people who are around uh, areas where flame retardants have been used. It's a, it's a powerful uh, story and, an, and a very deeply ugly story in terms of American corporate uh, behavior. So that will be our first guest. And then our second guest, uh, we'll be talking about the eco-village, that is the eco-community idea for um, the Sonoma, De Sonoma Development Center. We'll be joined by Stephanie Hiller. She's the chair of the Eldridge Eco-Village Association. And there's a, she did a report uh, for governor, for the governor and for other people talking about a very uh, elaborately understood and, and drawn out uh, group of ideas in terms of how to uh, utilize this lovely, lovely pr property that we have here so close to us that is now being shut down and where the clients are, have been, are being obliged to move on. And uh, Stephanie will be with us and we'll talk, we'll also get a chance to talk to about, maybe not to, but about uh, some of Alice Horowitz's problem uh, a project I meant to say, and she's got a group called Save Our uh, Lands and the EldridgeForAll.org. Maybe we'll have a few words about that as well. But our primary guest is uh, Jamie Kitman. Let me tell you a little bit about who he is. Um, he's the well. I just I already said he's the the bureau chief for Automobile Magazine. My younger brother says he's a terrific writer, and when I looked. <laughs> And before, and when I read what he wrote, I could see why my brother felt that way. He he writes in such a cogent and coherent way, and he doesn't waste his words. And at the same time, he really puts the muscle on the bone. And you can really his this article in the September 10th edition of the Nation magazine is a truly uh, revelatory article for me. 
and I'm basically t- familiar with the topic, but uh, nothing to the not not the historical antecedent politics and the commerce of it historically, and he'll be able to talk about that in some situation. Uh, the the he would I guess he be- I don't know if he became famous, but he was very well known for his uh, articles on lead and the debt deadly neurotoxin that never biodegrades and that uh, was put was taken out finally taken out of gasoline um, in very recent times and he'll tell you if he if, if we have time we'll be able to talk about some of the history of that as well but our principal point today is to talk about really and to celebrate in a way government governor brown's choice and opportunity to sign ab2998 that it, that uh, that outlaws specific household products that contain uh, flame retardant chemicals. So that's uh, what we're basically trying to do today is to celebrate that and also to celebrate Jamie's uh, national story on this topic because the public and firefighters, uh, children, excuse me, children, general public children and firefighters particularly have high, high exposure and risks. Infants are exposed to the chemicals at higher levels than, than a- adults, often coming in contact with them through the dust of bre- and breast milk. Studies have linked these chemicals to lower birth weight, re- reduced IQ, impaired neurological development in children, et cetera, et cetera. So um, firefighters n- inhale these, t- topic, these, these, uh, these chemicals in the process of fighting fires. And over the past several dec- decades, cancel, cancer rates have increased among firefighters in part to the presence of these chemicals. AB2998, this is the, by the way, I should celebrate that this was written uh, by uh, Richard Bloom, the 50th Assembly District um, representative that comprises the communities of uh, Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Brentwood, Hollywood, and Malibu, Pacific Palisades, et cetera, down in that area. Anyway, uh, Richard Bloom's uh, uh, AB2998 it prohibits the sale of specific products, juvenile products, specified mattresses and mattress components in upholstered and, and reupholstered furniture in California that contain toxic flame retardant chemicals. All the products identified in the bill either have no inflammatory standard or a standard that can be easily met without the use of flame retardant chemicals. In fact, much of the industry in all three segments has moved away from the use of flame retardant chemicals, in part due to labeling requirements and increased public awareness of their dangers. However, disclosure requirements have been insufficient to fully eliminate these chemicals and legislation is needed to protect all Californians from these chemicals. It has long been known that flame retardant chemicals offer little added safety benefit, but exposure to smoke that carries these toxins substantially increases the risk for firefighters faced job-related cancers, according to Brian K. Rice, the president of New York, strike that, of California Professional Firefighters. AB 2998 is a major step forward in the health and safety of our firefighters and our communities. We thank Governor Brown for signing this important measure into law. So let's see. While we're waiting for Jamie's call, um, and I, I, I want to be, sh- re- re- be sure that our listeners recognize that this will be a call in the first half of the program. We'll, we will be willing to take call-ins related to the topic at hand. And um, so get your pa- paper and pencil ready. 
Our call-in number is 933-9133 should you have a question or a comment on the topic that we're discussing. Jamie uh, will explain the complexities in, in, in the history, and he'll also argue that flame retirements don't actually work for their intended purpose, explain why everyday consumers, what, the, what everyday consumers can do the, the, to pressure companies to make their products safer, et cetera. So let me, let me actually go right to the article because that's, it, it's a wonderful uh, place to start this conversation. Um, again, he should be with us just momentarily, according to the plan, anyway. Uh, so, again, this is called, this is from Worse Than Lead. Today, thanks in part to the efforts of a single Virginia family, as many as 97% of Americans have toxic flame retardants in their blood. Deeply poisonous and linked to cancer, genetic damage, behavioral and learning difficulties, the, the prevalence of flame retardants here and around the world owes to the fact that these chemicals have been placed in many of the objects of daily life in our homes, our automobiles, our workplaces, and even in our beds. This article is report, was reported in partnership with the Investigative Fund of the Nation Institute, which receives support from the Puffin Foundation, Emily uh, Bayuso, and Darren Akram, who provided research assistance. While the flame retardant business has grown explosively with tragic consequences, the world has yet to reckon with this morally challenged industry. While uh, started, well, which started taking off more than 45 years ago. Nor has the U U.S. government held manufacturers accountable for the original illness that span, spawned excuse me, the, the proliferation of flame retardants, the monumentally unsafe business of adding lead to gasoline. So those two issues, and this, this is again connected to this, uh, the, uh, the, the efforts of a single Virginia family. Just think of that. Uh, now, new research undertaken by the nation reveals a startling connection between these two scourges to public health and the environment. Meet the Gottwalds of Virginia. One of the hundreds richest families in America, the most powerful shareholders in all Belmarle Chemical Company based in Charlotte, North Carolina. In September 2016, Floyd Gottwald gave $50,000 to Trump Victory in a, a joint fund um, fundraising committee for Donald Trump's residential, presidential campaign, continuing a family tradition of Republican funding that goes back for decades. Yet you probably have never heard of them. The Gottwalds keep a low profile, perhaps understandably, given that they have built the, their wealth by blanketing the planet in, laid, in lead excuse me, and flame retardants. Our guest is starting to be a little bit late. I'm beginning to start to worry. I'll wring my hands if you don't mind. The deadly neurotoxin, this is lead now, a deadly neurotoxin that never biodegrades, lead assaulted the public health throughout the 20th century, largely through its role as an additive to gasoline. When the United States began phasing out leaded, glass, leaded gas in the 1970s, the Gottwalls pivoted to flame retardants. Often manufactured with the chemicals elements bromine, flame retardants are extremely toxic products but they have never been effectively r regulated, much less banned, and lead eventually was, even though the banning of lead was scandalously delayed, its manufacturers fought off regulation for decades with a mixture of outright lying, deceptive advertising, and financial lubrication of elected officials. I documented in an investigation for the nation back in 2000, this is Jamie, um, 
Jamie's writing here. Again, the article is, we're reading from Worse Than Lead. This is from the September 10th to 17th edition of this year's Nation magazine. So, continuing. Uh, hoping that Jamie will call us shortly. Flame retardants have been identified not only as carcinogens, but as mutagens, that is, agents that mutate genetic material. Many are now understood as first-class endocrine disruptors implicated in a growing variety of learning difficulties, IQ deficits, behavioral disorders, especially among the young, including hyperactivity and behaviors consistent with autism and the older set, diminished, fer diminished fertility, miscarriages, uh, premature births, obesity, advanced puberty, thyroid hormonal problems in postmenopausal women, and an increased risk of ALS. Traces of flame retardants are now found virtually everywhere on Earth, including the water and dust inside our homes. According to the Chicago Tribune, the level of flame retardants doubled in the blood of adults every two to five years between the years of 2000, strike that, between 1970 and 2004. A 19, strike that, a 2014 study of California day centers, researchers found flame retardants in 100% of dust samples. A recent Chinese study revealed their presence in e-cigarettes. Remote locations aren't safe either. The chemicals have been consistently found in the blubber of Arctic sea manuals, mammals. Excuse me. It's no wonder the global uh, consumption of flame retardant chemicals is projected to top 7 billion pounds by 2000, right that, by 2022. A staggering amount, especially when you consider the most incredible fact of all. The, in the quantities which they're typically employed, flame retardants don't retard flame very much. So, um, I'm gonna continue, again, hoping our guests will be with us shortly. And I, I should take a sidebar. I was, I thought before coming to the station today that I would send him an email just to remind him, just to be sure, be sure, be sure. And I thought, oh no, he, I don't need to do that. These are, these are the top flight professionals. Well, maybe that was a mistake, so we'll see. Uh, these chemicals became ubiquitous starting in the 1970s as governments around the world were persuaded by corporate campaigns that flame retardants were essentially fire safety tools. Much of this campaigning was hysterical and dishonest. Almost all of it was underwritten by the products manufacturers, including the Gottwalds Albermarte Corporation and the chemical industry, which was in part of which it was part. Working in concert with the tobacco industry, these manufacturers mounted an aggressive scare campaigns to create perceived need for their products. They crafted uh, regulations, lobbied legislatures to adopt them, attacked scientific findings they didn't like, ridiculed public health advocates, spun journalists, bought political access to millions with millions of dollars of campaign contributions, this anti-public health offensive explains why flame retardants are now Im Im embedded in an astonishing array of consumer products, including furniture, bedding, electrical equipment, and most despicable of all, children's clothing and car seats. Although they were launched more than 50 years ago, flame retardants and leaded gas share a common corporate pedigree. The story begins uh, with the addition of, of lead to the gas supply, an act of breathtaking greed and deceit on the part of a blue chip, four blue chip companies, General Motors, DuPont, Standard Oil of New Jersey, now known as ExxonMobil, 
and later Dow Chemical. The story continues for nearly a century as the mass production of leaded gas gave way to mass production of flame retardants. Mm, nice, interesting connection. While certain flame retardants have phased out over time, others have been phased in. The Gottwalds and other manufacturers are not going, to going quietly into the night, notwithstanding the proven health and environmental harms that their products in, uh, inflict the suppliers of flame retardants intend to sell increasing amounts of this toxic product for years to come. The Gottwells have made it clear, that clear enough, that, that as their Albi Marley Corporation has expanded its bromade products capacity and its partnerships around the world recently with the 2000, strike that 2014 link up with Israel Chemicals Limited. Like other makers of dangerous chemicals, Albi Marley, has stayed one step ahead of the law and public outrage by perfecting a cynical version of classic bait and switch campaign, scam. Excuse me. When regulators ban one flame retardant because of undeniable health, facts, health, health impacts, the manufacturers simply tweak a molecule here and there to produce a similar but legally distinct product. Um, they then give the product a new name and hustle it back into the market. If you like, um, Albert Marley, Marley de declined interview requests for this article and did not respond to a detailed list of questions about its activities. The root of today's scandal extend back to, to uh, 1923 when three of the world's biggest companies combined to introduce leaded gas into the United States, the fast growing market for automobiles, the fastest growing market, excuse me. General Motors came up with the idea. Standard Oil of New Jersey had the technical smarts to move it into mass production, along with a market share and distribution muscle to reach huge numbers of customers around the world. The chemical giant DuPont contributed factories, additional capital, and, and scientific expertise. The business opportunity for these companies ar arose from the fact that the automo automotive fuel of the day was lousy and getting lousier. But G GM researchers had discovered that adding lead increased the, fuel, the fuel's octane level and reduced engine knock, an unpleasant metallic sound when the engine uh, accelerated. With Standard Oil of New Jersey, uh, GM created a joint venture, the Ethyl, Cor Ethyl Gasoline Corporation, later shortened to the Ethyl Corporation, to organize the mass manufacture distribution sales and marketing of a new gasoline additive. I can remember being a child, sidebar, and thinking that ethyl was, wow, that was the cool new thing. And, it, it, and the service station advertised it, that we, we have ethyl in our gasoline. Oh, we're, you're lucky you, lucky you. Anyway, back to the text. And again, that we're reading from Jamie uh, Kitman's article called Worse Than Lead, and we're hoping he'll join us, but it looks uh, increasingly dim. Um, and it may have been my error. At any rate, we're going to continue because this is such an important topic. Um, so, bum, 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 bum. okay, over the next 50 years, leaded gasoline would erode public health so grievously in the form of hundreds of millions of cases of heart attacks, strokes, cancer, renal failure, learning disabilities, and behavior difficulties, and more, that the removal of lead from modern gasoline, which started in, in, in 1980s, has been hailed as one of the great public health triumphs of the last century. The health impacts of leaded gas could have been avoided if corporate greed hadn't trumped human decency. Many of lead's hazards were already known and been 
suspected for thousands of years, the ancient Greek physician Pedanius Dioscorides warned that lead makes the mind give way, parentheses, that is, quote, um, safer methods of increasing octane, such as adding ethanol, were also known in 1920s, and they were cost competitive. But ethyl, strike that, ethanol, known as the, at the time as the farm alcohol, could not be patented, a fatal flaw in the eyes of ethyl corporations' owners who preferred their proprietary deadly, if deadly, product. So GM, DuPont, Standard Oil of New Jersey soon confronted the new problem. It turned out that lead wrecked car engines. GM executives Alfred Sloan and Charles Charles Kettering were informed by associates inside and outside the company that lead deposits dramatically shortened the lives of engines, spark plugs, and other vital components. In the course of a few thousand miles, driving with leaded gasoline, it became necessary to replace the spark plugs, said said, uh, Thomas um, Migley, GM's top scientist told Kettering in the company director of research in, t- in a 1922 mem- a memo. Migdley's report, now, uh, now housed in the Richard B. Scharchberg archives in the Kettering, at Kettering University, the former university, right that, the former General Motors Institute in Flint, they became hot enough to melt the lead. That is, and other internal component, other internal documents suggested that the G- engineers of GM's Buick division were seeing engines fail within 1,500 miles of driving. And we're we're coming up on a break. Please stay tuned. This is Dr. Ned Hoke. We're sorry to have missed our our guest for whatever reason. We'll be back with you shortly. Programming for KSVY is brought to you in part by the Tina Schoen Group, located at Sotheby's International Realty, Body Best Collision Center, and Sonoma Hills Retirement Community. This health moment is brought to you in part by Sonoma Valley Hospital. Gratitude can be good for your health. Research shows that those people who practice being grateful consistently report a host of benefits. They are found to have stronger immune systems and lower blood pressure, more positive emotions, greater optimism and contentment, and they feel less lonely and isolated. So remember to express gratitude to others. It'll make a difference to them and have a positive impact on your own health and well-being. Programming for KSVY is brought to you in part by the Tina Schoen Group, located at Sotheby's International Realty, Body Best Collision Center, and Sonoma Hills Retirement Community. This health moment is brought to you in part by Sonoma Valley Hospital. Our life is essentially the sum of our habits. What habits would you like to stop doing? What habits would you like to start? Make a short, realistic list. It takes about a month of consistent effort to adopt a new habit, so keep trying. As you successfully integrate wellness into your lifestyle, you will begin to feel the difference, if only slowly at first. And welcome back to Health Matters. Dr. Ned Hoke today, now joined by Stephanie Hiller, the uh, the writer of a, of a beautiful piece of, of uh, expression called The Eco-Community for Eldridge Village. So, Stephanie, if you could come forward to the mic and let's see if, see if we can get you on the air here. Say a few words. Hi, Ned. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, it's such a treat to have you, and we're, we're glad we didn't uh, interrupt your sleep this time. I hope. <laughs> I hope. 
So, Stephanie, this is such a, a, a lively and, and uh, warm idea. Maybe you could just give our listeners who, not, who are not familiar with the, the, the general concept. Let's start with a kind of an overarching kind of concept for this, this uh, eco-community uh, for Eldridge Village idea, and then we'll get into some of the specifics, if you would. Okay. Yeah, um, so go ahead and start with a, just sort of a general. Yeah, so um, I imagine most of you know that the um, Sonoma Developmental Center will be closing in, at the end of December. And so this is a proposal to uh, do something on the property that would um, provide for the community more than provide for business interests and tourism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And that's, that is a very succinct uh, <laughs> expression of it. So the, <laughs> well, I could say more. Well, of course, obviously, <laughs> you can and you, you have. So, but but eco-community for El Eldridge Village sounds like, this sounds like this is an idea that, um, well, eco-community uh, right there. What do those words mean, and how does that germane to what you're trying to, to offer well, us here? The, the whole idea of an eco-village has been around for a while. Okay. It's kind of one of those things that I would say evolved out of the 60s, you know, back to the land and mm -hmm. human beings and all of that good stuff that we didn't know how to do at the time. But some of those ideas lingered, and, and there are much younger people now who are – uh, attempting to live this way as lightly on the earth as possible and with certain uh, skills of com for communication and relationship building and sometimes involving consensus decision making. And um, yeah, it's basically uh, grow, you know, and try to become as reasonably self-sufficient. So growing your own food and whatever other crafts and skills you can bring to it's usually country living. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This property, though, is not entirely rural anymore, really. Um, the developmental center has put a lot of large buildings on, on the property. So it's, uh, it's not like working with a, a stretch of empty uh, farm country, vacant farm country. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, encumbrances, shall we say. Built-up infrastructure, my, uh, some, somebody yeah. else might call it. Right, Lots. right. And, and so, you know, but part of this has to do, partly we need affordable housing, so that was one part of the impetus. Um, and the other part for me um, has been uh, climate change, that I, I, I feel that we're still kind of sleeping on that. Of course, that was a year ago. Now we're getting so many climate change reports, I think finally that's an expression people are not afraid to use, but it was just like, don't tell me about it, I don't want to know before. Mm. And, and this is a lifestyle that would use very little fossil fuels. And, um, and it's just a way that we could, at the very least, weather climate change, get through it with a, a, in a warm, harmonious, hopefully, community, mm -hmm. um, and, and not add to the fossil fuels and develop technologies, you know, of which there are already many. You just don't hear about it, that we actually could change our lifestyle and um, enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So this, of course, the way, the idealistic way, if you if might use that word, uh, this sounds like this could be, uh, you know, if there were uh, some kind of a billionaire somewhere that just simply wanted to have a eco-university almost, or, you know, trans mm -hmm. a transitional kind of community university kind of place, 
this property might be in, combined with your idea yeah. might might really be mm-hmm. uh, like a not only f- only for itself but but for a proving of some of the things that that we're that we've talked about and then we're going to talk more about so right. do you have you seen it that way as well have you seen yeah. this as a, a, a you know i see a, it as a model yeah and I'm, and in that way i think it would stand sonoma county in good stead mm-hmm. because we were and probably still are to some extent on a vanguard in terms of organic food and um, living closer to the earth and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, an ecoversity is a good idea, actually, because a lot of those buildings are suitable for um, offices and house um, kind of dormitory style like you would have on a retreat or um, some kind of program. So I don't know if that's out there. Right. Um, yeah. And, and then another part of the campus would be used for living on and... Um, right, right. So... Now, uh, well, I, I should mention also that I mentioned before we before you got here that also I, I spoke with um, with Alice Horowitz and her gr- a little bit about, uh-huh. about, about her group yeah. and so on. So, it, in just a, just a very few words, how do you see the efforts of her group and your group as being similar and then dissimilar? Because they have just a couple of words about that. If, if, if that's yeah. if that if that's an appropriate question, I mean maybe. Well, I'm, they have. Um, some plants. They've been working on this for a while. They mm-hmm. live closest to uh, the developmental center, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they have concerns about too much development or what kind mm-hmm. happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand they want a museum and uh, some offices. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they feel exactly about housing. Mm-hmm. We've been in communication about the Eco Village, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, some of the feedback has been has been good, but mm-hmm. nobody knows what's going to happen at this stage. So. Right. Yeah. So give our listeners a little taste on how you actually are trying to, you know, get your oar in the water. And you've, you've written this really, really lovely outline and letter. And I, I, I'll want to talk about it, in, you know, a good bit of it more in detail. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe just in a brief overview kind of way, how do you see what you've done uh, in addition to creating this document, this, this uh, visionary plan, if you will? How do you see that? Having some tra- having some opportunity to be in the water, if you will, and and possibly creating some motion. Is it or or? And I don't mean to put quite say it this way. I don't, actually, I don't even want to say that about it. Just otherwise, it was, could be just like one of those dreams that kind of flies by. That, that was wasn't that a lovely dream? But it's it it reads to me much more than a lovely dream. And so oh, thank you. You know, so I I I want to see what you say. Mm-hmm. Or what you've experienced in terms of because you've you've presented this t- at, at tr- Transition Sonoma mm-hmm. that I was actually there for, uh, briefly ab- about and but perhaps it's been showing up in other places as well. So talk about some of the resonance that you've had to some of sure. this and some of the people that you've been in touch with and so on and kind of what mm-hmm. kind of give us our listeners a little bit of a taste of what sort of feedback you're getting. Well, the proposal originated with a group called the Sonoma Valley um, Housing Group that. Mm-hmm is housed over at the Methodist Church that is working on affordable housing principally Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. issues related to that. And uh, then I took it also to Transition Sonoma Valley because if you're familiar with transition towns, this is uh, allied with the transition town concept. Mm -hmm. And um, Earth Care of the Congregational Church, they endorsed it and some Mm -hmm. of their members have started working on it with me, mm-hmm. um, as well, some of the housing group members and some of Transition Sonoma Valley. So the, those were the supporting organizations. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
I've uh, attempted to distribute the uh, the proposal, um, and so quite a few people now know about it. It's not widespread, mm-hmm. but uh, I have talked with John McCall. Um, about it. He's the Sonoma Land Trust mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. guy who's working on this project. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Ellen has received it. They know about it. Mm-hmm. So an attempt to circulate it and network it and uh, see who's out there. And it's challenging, actually, because something like this needs a lot of community uh, support and, and dedication. Like, yes, we want this. And, um, and uh, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, uh, we haven't gotten a whole lot of real negative feedback mm-hmm. either. Sure. And right. I, we have a little organization called for now the Eldridge Eco Village Association. Mm-hmm. And so we're meeting and, you know, trying to develop our organization. Okay. Talk about right away so our listeners who are enchanted by this idea. They might have a they might have an email list that they could get some uh, meeting announcements and that kind of sure. thing. Sure. So, so give us uh, give us some contact information if you would. Okay. Well, for now the contact information is me and uh, okay. Stephanie mm-hmm. Hiller. My email address is hiller dot stephanie at gmail dot com, mm-hmm. and uh, it's H I L L E R, the regular spelling of Stephanie. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, I'm happy to receive your uh, inquiries mm-hmm. and to put you on the email list. Mm-hmm. And what is the frequency of the meetings so far? Right now they're weekly mm-hmm. because we really are trying to define ourselves, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's not as easy as it is to dream a vision to actually make it happen. Oh yeah. And I'm sure all your listeners are aware of that, but you just got to try and do it once to be kind of sobered up. <laughs> and especially this project, it's it's huge, it's challenging, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of officials and uh, trained people uh, stymied, and uh, you know it it has well, a, maybe that it, creates a window, maybe that maybe that uh, creates a possibility that that we're in other words, when we've read about it in the paper over the mm-hmm. years, I haven't actually myself had that many conversations with people other than in a casual way. But but when I read the, the public press on it, it does seem kind of as you kind of alluded a few minutes or two ago about how there's been a lot of official kind of back and forth and this and that and this plan and this, you know, and, 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 and different fantasies that people have. And then I guess why I'm enthusiastic about, not, not so much why I'm enthusiastic really, but why I, I feel some kind of opportunity for what mm-hmm. you have here is that what people, like you, like you were saying, there's all sorts of ideas all over the map. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, it doesn't appear that there is much consensus in terms of what the, the, the official people, other than perhaps a few. Right. Well, that's partly because the process hasn't started mm-hmm. okay. and okay. even has been um, intentionally held back. Yeah. Because, first of all, they had an assessment done on the property. Mm-hmm. So that everything was waiting for the property to have this assessment. Mm-hmm. And and that was fairly thorough, done by a company, Wallace, Roberts, and Todd, mm-hmm. WRT, we know yeah. them as. You have and a copy of that report? Well, it's on the Internet. It's a oh. big, fat thing with lots of charts and graphs and okay. beautiful photographs. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I 
probably if if I emailed you, it would be easier to give you that link. Sure, sure. It's but I, but publicly I, available. But it's publicly but available. It's not in print. Not in print. Okay. Um, and basically, they found that uh, that the infrastructure mm-hmm. um, t- is obsolete. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that means the heating and the cooling, the electricity, and um, the you know water delivery system. Right. And um, that's a big ticket item. Mm. That they estimated that it would cost 114 million dollars mm-hmm. to completely replace the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Now, from our perspective, if the whole property was going to be an eco community, mm-hmm. then that's kind of great because we would want to put in a new infrastructure anyway. I mean, right. that's your power system, right? Right. But when you look at the price, it's a little daunting. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And then there are, there are quite a few of the buildings are usable, but they all have the floor plan of uh, a, a dormitory in a hospital, right. basically. Right. So how do you use them? Well, you, you, first you think, I, I was just talking to a, a, a contractor today who worked on that assessment, and mm-hmm. he said they're all the same, and you think at first you can kind of scoop them out, but then, you know, just retrofit them. And, but then when you look at the numbers, um, putting in all those extra bathrooms, making them into, say, apartments or something rentable right. um, is, is as costly, as, as more new, costly. As, as new construction. Yeah. Right. So you're almost yeah. better just to, to plow, plow them all over and start, start over. Well, not all of them. Some of them are actually historic buildings, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some of them you know, could be used as offices and other things because mm-hmm. not everything has to be used for housing, right. shops. There's a whole, you know, it was a self-sufficient community. I think that's one thing that does make this idea appropriate mm-hmm. for the place. I mean, they grew their own food. They butchered their own chickens. They had their own shops that they initially used to use for training their residents to mm-hmm. do whatever, uh, I, I don't know, you know, right. welding and carpentry and sure. so on. So there's all these shops, there's all kinds of facilities that could be used for something. Um, and it could be very creatively done, kind of, you think, grassroots way of patching it together. But right. it, it's still, there's all kinds of regulations. Uh, California is right. known for having, you know, the toughest permitting process perhaps right. in the country, but yeah. certainly a very tough one. Well, what, so that's where the challenges are. Uh, absolutely, and yeah. and of course, interestingly enough, though, it, it kind of in the same vein of what you were just talking about a moment ago, and we need to take a break here, another minute. So let me come back to that idea. We're talking to Stephanie Hiller, and we're talking about having an exploration of her eco community for Eldridge Village idea. It's a beautiful report. By this way, is this is this uh, this report is this available online also? Um, yeah, it is at Transition Sonoma Valley, which is uh, tsv.org. Good, because I think I'd like our listeners to be able to, yeah. if, particularly if they're going to, if they want to ask a question, they, I would like them to have a chance to just look at this briefly because this this is a lot of stuff here. Yeah, you've done a lot of work with this. So, Dr. Ned Hope with uh, Stephanie Hiller will be back with you in just a moment. Please stay tuned. Programming for KSVY is brought to you in part by the Tina Schoen Group, located at Sotheby's International Realty, Body Best Collision Center, and Sonoma Hills Retirement Community. This health moment is brought to you in part by Sonoma Valley Hospital. Scientific research has shown that forgiveness is good for our health. It can help us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. People who hold on to grudges and grievances and who tend to blame others for their problems have more physical illnesses than those who don't. 
you can bring greater peace and harmony into your life by choosing to forgive. Remember that forgiveness always starts with ourselves. This means taking responsibility for your hurt and then releasing it. Welcome back to Ned Hook. Welcome back to Ned Hook. Welcome back to Health Matters Radio today, being joined by Stephanie Hiller. And we're getting the opportunity to really dig in a little bit to this wonderful eco community for Eldridge Village SDC project that uh, we were, and we were just offline, we were talking, or off air, we were talking about while the, the, the announcement was running. I mean, we, when, when you face up to it, Stephanie was sort of saying, telling me that, that basically we've got to, if, if we want to really birth this idea, we need some money, basically. And we needed some angels and some, some people stepping forward who's willing, who are willing to do some work, basically. And also, um, so, um, so I don't know if our, any of our listeners, if any of our listeners out there are sort of inclined toward this thing, I really do urge them to actually read what Stephanie has written here because uh, at Tra- Transition Sonoma, give that website again, if you would. Transition Sonoma Valley. Right. And uh, I think it's tsv.org. Right. If that doesn't work, just Google it. But yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, because I think if, if any of our listeners are at all touched by this idea, and I'd like them to read what Stephanie has written and prepared for us here. Um, it's, it is so, such a warm-hearted idea and such a socially warm-hearted idea. I mean, that, that's, it just, just leaps off the page at me that way. And I, of course, I should admit that I'm, I am definitely one of those people in the 60s who bought into the idea of the simpler living and mm-hmm. you know, uh, sort of taking a different view yeah. of, of, of commerce and all those kinds of things. And, and children, I'd like, I, I'd like to say, which I didn't say too much about in the report, but right. um, I mean, this is for the future. It's going to take a while to happen, right. it, and uh, we need our young people especially to join us. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it could be a really lovely learning and playing oppor- uh, environment, safe environment for children, uh-huh. and we envision multi-generational living, mm-hmm. so... It's an opportunity for um, elders like myself who are active and, and love to be around children to, to really play a role in the community and bring their experience mm-hmm. into play. Mm-hmm. So it's a family-based concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. that's obvious in its, in its in, well, just in its warmth, basically. So what would an interested person do? Of course, a registered person can reach out, and they've, you've given your number, and we will again. Um, so... You've talked to obviously you've talked to quite a number of people, and uh, and of course one one of the things when I read something like this and I or I or I live in the world of these ideas almost mm. I say to myself um, kind of that was then in the '60s kind of thing mm-hmm. and all of us went and you know bought a piece of land and then we started I mean I I built houses and did gardens did you? and yeah, uh-huh. yeah I mean I was way into it and wow I, we need I, you I did a word <laughs> I did a woodworking apprenticeship with, uh-huh. a, with a master craftsman I mean and I dropped out of being a college teacher and I mean it was all kinds of stuff so I mean this is like close to my heart very much so and at the same time today as mm-hmm. I look at this and of course uh, I go well, of course, this is what we should have done and gone on with in a way. We should have been able to take some of that enthusiasm then that we had instead of sort of individualizing it on our own p- personal projects. We should have found a way somehow to come together 
and to, to do right. much of these things in a collaborative way. And of course, many people did. Many people yeah. got together and did group process work yeah. and had communities of one sort or another. But here, this, is, this idea is so much even bigger than that. I mean, this is, this is so big in a way that um, I guess I'm, I, I would love to imagine that, 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 the, that the, some of the folks like yourself and myself, for, uh, for that matter, could, um, could present this in a way that's not just a dream. I guess that's really kind of what I mm-hmm. would be wishing for. So yeah. for, the, for our listeners out there who, who know and understand that, that a major project like this really takes a lot of hands, it's an all hands on deck kind of deal, I mean, because when I read about Susan Gorin and all these the politicians, people talking about these things, I, I hear a lot of equivocation and, and sort of kind of sort of maybe stuff. And, and, and a lot of and people like me worry, if that's the right word, or concern or, or imagine somehow that the, you know, at the last minute, some Simon Legree kind of character is going to swoop in and, 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 and somehow manage to get the state officials to agree that this really should be an elite horse uh, retreat place for wealthy mm-hmm. people, and this beautiful property will be turned over. Yet one more thing to the to the wealthy tourists. So, tell us a little bit about it without giving it too much. But tell us a little bit about the what do you know about the wealthy tourist plans in terms of what you've heard about? Is there anything significant out there? No, I don't know anything. You don't know anything. I, I think the one that's been broadcast greatly, um, widely, is the one about the, um, the, the 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 horse Olympic horse right. training or. Right. Um, I don't know what that is. I think they're going to do high jumping and right, right. with a vast number of horses right. whose um, uh, production in terms of Me- um, methane. <laughs> methane and all of the above. You know, right, right. It, it's hard to imagine. Right, right. Um, but they have a plan. Right. And I haven't heard about anything else. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. the plans are being kept set aside mm-hmm. um, because the concept is we have to know who's going to be in charge mm-hmm. and we have to have a plan you know let's tell us that about that let's let's get into some of the politics as we say because like you exactly as you say mm-hmm. who's going to be in charge so help us understand where it is today and kind of how you how you feel well, the wind blowing on it we would like to have a uh, there's been talk of a, of a land trust and mm-hmm. as i write in that paper um, there's a concept of something called the community land trust, mm-hmm. which is a really neat idea. And mm-hmm. there are about it's been used a lot with apartments and housing, and now mm-hmm. and so we have housing to consider, but also coming into use with farming because everybody is facing this quandary over the price of land, and our young farmers are all having to be tenants, mm-hmm. and it's not very conducive to doing. A good soil improvement and organic farming, which is a long-term thing on property you're only going to have for three years. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's really against what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have a community land trust, then the land trust holds the land. And the, um, the residents and the farmers and the shopkeepers, all of those people would be leasers, but they would have long-term, like mm. 99-year leases. Mm. And they would have input in the governance of of this thing, mm-hmm. as well as the um, the nonprofit managers of the you know and the county officials and so on, whoever mm-hmm. needed to be on the board. But so there's an engagement there, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really basic difference between what I'm imagining here 
and what people are liking about it is that instead of the bulldozers come in and lay out a development, this is something where it's participatory. And uh, we are hearing that phrase now, participatory um, um, democracy and participatory budgeting. Mm -hmm. And these things are on the cusp of, of what we hope will come to counteract the errors of um, you know, high-power corporate capitalism, which mm -hmm. we're seeing in so many areas. Mm. And um, so that way people um, put in, you know, people can work and for some of their rent. They could be farming. They could handle the maintenance. Mm. They could help be builders. There would be an integration of work with living. It sounds like almost like a, a, a larger version of Habitat for Humanities in terms of sweat equity on your house kind of well, thing. Well, that's... A, or, or we wait. can borrow the concept. Yeah, right. Well, you know? I mean, I mean, these concepts have matured now for right. what is it, fifty, sixty years, mm -hmm. and uh, people have used them. Permaculture is mm -hmm. a more mature concept of, mm -hmm. and has a social aspect, social permaculture. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of uh, 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 skill building, consensus building instruments that didn't exist before, mm -hmm. and there are ways of funding that didn't exist before. You can now invest in something like this, even if you're not an accredited investor. Mm. You could invest with, any person would be able to invest if we set up this particular, another nice instrument called uh, a DPO, um, uh, direct, uh, I can't remember now, I haven't looked at it lately, but yeah. offering, it's a right. direct public offering. Yeah, right. Okay, so naturally the county is working with the existing model, sure. and that's understandable. Um, and uh, they are trying to set up some means of governance. Now what they're looking at is a joint power authority, um, and that would presumably be the county and the state combined, mm. and they are currently in negotiations about that. So is the county then, do I understand you to say then that the county is envisioning that the state might join hands with them in terms of being the overlords, in terms of in terms of the the, the maintaining title in, in the in the joint hands of this, I really don't know how it would work. Uh -huh, but this okay. is coming before the board of supervisors. I believe it will be on the twenty third of this month. This month, okay. and so I would urge your listeners mm -hmm. if they are interested in seeing this come to fruition, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know, even if they're just not interested in my proposal, but right. they just want to see SDC become something special and. Mm -hmm not get put out for surplus property, right. um, I would urge you to come to that Board of Supervisors meeting, mm -hmm. and the information will be, uh, the agenda will be posted a few days before that. Okay. Well, that's so, very important information, mm -hmm. because that's coming right up now. That is coming right up, yeah. And, and, and I think the, so what sort of forces are gathering in your bailiwick in terms of Meet people that you know immediately are, are, I mean, are the transition people planning to go or the, are, do you have a, a, you rented a school bus where you're all going to take over and, you know, and go over there to this meeting? I mean, is there, is there a, a kind of collective group that you're a part of that are going to go over and we be? We just found out and mm -hmm. we're trying to get the word out to right. um, networks in the community that right. we know. Sure, sure. Um, and we just found out that this was coming up. Ah, uh -huh, so okay. So we haven't had any time to plan it, but yeah, here we know, go. 8.30 in the morning, Yeah, <laughs> be the, there. Okay. I mean, I don't know what time this particular item will come up, but that will be on the agenda. Right. So... 
Uh, we just have a few more minutes, and I, our listeners, I, if, if you had a thought or a concern that you wanted to share or have a word with Stephanie Hiller about this project, please feel free to give us a call. We just have a couple more minutes. Our call-in number is 707-933-9133. Be happy to take your call on this particular topic. So, whoops, I just did something wrong. Oops, I'm not supposed to do that. I just did a mistake. I did a, I did a no-no. Now, why do I, how do I make it better? I hope that's it. Oh, no. No. Now maybe you should keep talking. Well, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, keep, yeah, keep talking. Anyway, I just, I just screwed up the phone connection. Anyway, but it'll, it'll, it somehow it'll all resolve. Okay, um, well, let's come back to, again, sort of here and now, the politics and st a little bit about... Is it your view or is it your perspective at the moment as you sit here with me? Is it your thought that the, that the county is willing possibly to, to, join, to join with the state to be a co-manager of this property? Is that, is that a real option uh, as, as you well, understand none it? None of us are present at the negotiations which have been going on for a while. Right. And, um, so I, I, you know, I can't really say. I know that they are having trouble coming to terms. Mm -hmm. And again, one of the hurdles is money. Uh -huh. um, the state wants to unload this property. We know that. Uh -huh. And they may not want to be part of a governing situation. Uh -huh. right. And they may not want to um, contribute the funding that the county would like them right contribute. right yeah because that's that, that, so. sh that would, yeah that would be the yeah. of course the th it, it doesn't we were talking a little bit ago about how this could be like a, a, a you know a, not just a healing community but a university of, of, of life change kind of thing and of course that just it, you all know it, one no, well, <laughs> Do you know one that's looking for a spot? How well, about the Bioneers? Yeah, I'd like to have the Bioneers. Yeah yeah and I mean <laughs> it just this is just so that would be that's that, the answer. Yeah, that would be just so yeah. perfect. That mm -hmm. kind of thing, not just the pioneers, but that whole idea of making mm -hmm. this truly a university of mm -hmm. of social change. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's what. So let me let's before we just we have just a couple minutes more minutes. And I want to give our, I want to entice our listeners. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some of the headline of of Stephanie's plan here, and I'm not going to do it any justice at all. So please forgive me that. But they here here's what she talks about. She talks about. Uh, um, there's a general plan, and the uh, the uh, a lot of, a lot has to do with sort of cottage industry things, um, and then there's a, 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 a good issue on the community land trust idea, and we and a good deal of talk about that. There's a talk about renewable energy, and the the and she's very enthused. This at least talks about the benefit of, of ownership of the community land trust. Talks about the land is held in trust in perpetuity and can never be sold. That's of course a big piece of that. And the, there's, that's a, a, a st the kind of stability that it would take, to, of course, to, to, fa to facilitate this. She also talks about the, the different elements of the, of, the, of the project itself in terms of very practical, uh, very practical things. There's water and power, housing and other buildings, the services that, are f that re need to be uh, rehabilitated, and the, the opportunity for interge intergenerational communities, the cooperative ch child care thing, of course, and with so much homelessness, and of course, of course, just last week on this show, we talked a lot about the fires, and of course, mm -hmm. how many people lost property and yeah. so on. And of course, this could be a, a backup for the, com the county in lots of ways for, for uh, the, you know, the, the, the supportive housing in one kind or another. It doesn't have to be the whole thing, but could, there could be a big piece of that. I've, I was, 
I've talked to, uh, was when I was at the meeting with Transition Sonoma, there was, seemed to me there was people who were talking about, enthusiastically talking about the idea of community farming and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd like to say something. Do I have time Please. for two yeah, things? Yeah, you do. Um, on the, we'd love to be able to make housing available to people who lost their homes during the fires and maybe are having a, you know, a transition right. period. Right. Um, that would be great, but we haven't been able to move forward on that again right. because right. of governance. Right. And the thing about the, the farming that's really important for people to realize, you and may have heard of by now, which is uh, that uh, farming, certain farming techniques actually pull down a lot of carbon mm -hmm. from the atmosphere. And so that will be a big part of our mission to do that kind of farming and that kind of gardening and planting all over the property. Well, I love the idea. I'm very enthusiastic about what you're offering here. Thank you, Stephanie Hiller, for coming in and sharing this with, Thank with, you for with, having me. with our audience and so on. If you can not pacif pacify your spirit, you let your mind be complicated with desires and worries, your disease will not be cured. To be healthy, you must avoid anger and worry. Keep your mind happy, your heart at ease. And that's the Yellow Empress classic of internal medicine. That's the basic book of Chinese medicine. Our Health Matters motto still is, healthcare is a noun. It's a verb. Tune us in again next week. Until then, I bid you well. <laughs>